Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our guest speakers. Good morning everybody, how you doing? I just uh, want to say I feel very privileged to be here just to worship with you all. Uh, so I, I am a worship leader, it's one of the things I do and I'm something I'm really passionate about. And uh, there's a difference between, I've learned, song leading and worship leading. And I just want to thank you guys for being a worshiping church. And for the worship team, that was awesome. And Pastor Jim, I've known you for now for, I don't know, 10, 14 years. It's been 14 years since Kyle has been here. Uh, I love Pastor Jim. I know that's probably from your influence. I love this man. You're just a great leader, a great worship leader. So he's, he's one of the few people that still calls me. Yeah, let's give it up, Pastor Jim. I mean... I didn't come here to necessarily affirm you, but I just, I just want to affirm you. <laughs> He's one of the few people that still calls me KFO. That's what they used to call me and Kyle back in the day. <laughs> uh, so um, thanks so much for the invitation. You know, uh, we didn't necessarily traverse many lands to be with you. It took us five minutes to get here. <laughs> we are still very honored, but we do have the world at our backyard, at our doorstep, right? And it's amazing. And so... Um, let me introduce us. I think we have a picture of us. I'm Kevin. Uh, my wife, Brooke, is up here. We have a daughter, Janelle. There she is. She's cute. Man, she looks so much older than in that picture, right? And uh, she's three years old. We have one on the way that's up here with Brooke. Uh, she's six months. We find that the baby likes to sit a lot nowadays, so <laughs> she's going to stay there. But if you go to the lunch and you'll get to hear from Brooke, she's the better half, obviously. So, but we're excited. Baby's coming in April, which is great timing for campus ministry. Praise God. It's like right at the end of the year. So we're super excited for that. Um, so we've been missionaries now with Chi Alpha for nine years. It's hard to believe. Time flies, right? Um, to refresh you, Chi Alpha is the Assemblies of God outreach to the secular campus. Chi Alpha started up in 1953 in Missouri. And as of now, it's on over a little over 300 campuses. So in just like 60 years, it's really taken off. It's incredible. Two of those Chi Alphas are right here, one at Purdue and one in Ivy Tech. And as of this year, Brooke and I are honored, privileged to lead these Chi Alphas forward. So you guys know Linda Seiler. I'm sure she's awesome. She planted here. She planted really the first... Chi Alpha and the relaunch of Chi Alpha in the state of Indiana back in 2007. And since then, it's been pioneered on other campuses. We're on 19 or 20 campuses in Indiana. So it's just amazing to see what's happened in Indiana with Chi Alpha. And my life is completely changed because of Chi Alpha. And I'm going to tell you my story in a little bit, but I'll share about me and Brooke first. So Brooke and I go way back to when I was a very different person, literally. If there's a picture up there of me and Brooke. This is back in 2010. We were both students in Chi Alpha. We went to this, on this missions trip to USI. Chi Alpha here had been in existence for about three years. Yeah, look at that. Look at that hair. All the hair was up there. <laughs> 
I've thought about bringing it back. I'm probably not going to do that. But um, yeah, we met way back when we were students. We had no idea we were going to get married. It wasn't even a thought in our minds here. I mean, this was probably, what do you think, Brooke? Five, six years before we started dating even. And so we were just serving the Lord together. Uh, we were in Chi Alpha. You guys know Micah and Shalise. Eisminger, you know, Jaron and Emily, obviously. Uh, Jacob was up here. Um, Tim Becker, you guys remember him. Josh and Hannah Sheila. People have come through here. We were in Chi Alpha together back then. Um, and so we both graduated in 2012, 2013. We both felt a call to serve with Chi Alpha here at Purdue for a couple of years. We did that, and God was doing amazing things in the ministry at that time. He was also doing amazing things between us because we started dating and got married and praise God, here we are. <laughs> but God was doing incredible things. We ended up moving to Bloomington uh, after we got married and we were down at IU for five years, but it's best if we just forget about that. We move on because we're back in the promised land. Amen. <laughs> so we moved back this last year with a group of awesome missionaries to help lead these ministries forward. And we have a team picture. If you go to the next slide, this is our current team coming up. So there's nine of us across the board. So in the middle there, Troy and Alexis. Troy and Alexis were uh, freshmen at Purdue when we first started uh, at Purdue Kyle on the staff team. And so they were students that we actually reached. They came to Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They became life group leaders the rest of their time in college. God transformed their lives, brought them together. And uh, their son, they have two children, Noah and Benaiah. Their son, Noah, was born on the same day as Janelle. And we're like, guys, we just got to do this together. So we invited them to come with us. They said yes. Obviously, look at this beautiful couple to the left of them, Zach and Rachel Amick. How many of you know them? Yes. We love them. We're so glad to be doing this with them. Thanks for loaning them uh, last year to us in IU. They came down, spent the year with us. We brought them back, so it's all good. Uh, over to the left, we have Marlou in the back. She's a uh, former international student who is an atheist. And God just completely transformed her life. And she is such an asset to our, our team. We love Marlou. She has a heart for the nations. Um, Elisa is right there on the far left. Um, she really has a passion for Ivy Tech. She's really like, I would call her the site director of Ivy Tech. She got involved in Ivy Tech. And God just really transformed her life through the ministry there. And she has a passion to see Ivy Tech just wrecked for Jesus. And she's doing an incredible job. There's incredible things happening at Ivy Tech right now. Uh, that lady in the far left, she's not on our team. She just made the picture. So <laughs> in case you wondered, you know. Uh, obviously me and Brooke right here. And Sean on the far right, he's a give a year with us this year. He was a student in Chi Alpha for four years. He just graduated and is, really has a passion for ministry and is spending the year with us. And so this is the current team. We are so blessed to be doing this ministry with a team of people. And there's about 50,000 students at Purdue. Now, back in the day when we would talk about uh, ministry at Purdue, we would say 40,000. But now it's up to 50,000, right? This year I had a record class, even in the Big Ten, over 10,000 new freshmen. And so 50,000 students just right over there. It's incredible. And so it takes people to do that. And so we're grateful to have them with us. So let me tell you a little bit about Kyle Is that okay? Awesome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so first, what's up with this name, 
Chi Alpha. Where do we get that? Well, I want to talk about this because names are important, right? Especially in the Bible, right? Names are indicative of identity, right? If you think about the name Jesus, for example, Jesus means the Lord is salvation. Isn't that awesome? Obviously, we know we have salvation through Jesus Christ. He is our salvation, right? And so his name gives an indication of why he came to bring salvation, right? So Chi Alpha, what does that mean? It comes from 2 Corinthians 5. So if we look at the scripture together, let's start in verse 17. I'll read it for you. It says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling. You have to trust me on this one because it's behind the big black. <laughs> reconciling the world to himself. Okay, I'm going to have to come over here. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so Chi Alpha stands for Christ's ambassadors. It comes from the Greek Christos Apostoli, which is Christ's sent ones or Christ's ambassadors, Right? So Chi Alpha means Christ's ambassadors. And so let me hang out here for a little bit because this is really meaningful. And Paul is making some points here. So Paul, number one, he's saying, one, God has reconciled us to himself. Sure, that's students in Chi Alpha, but that's all of us who are here right now who are following Jesus. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, number one. And number two, in receiving salvation, he gives us a ministry of reconciliation, meaning that he wants to reconcile others to Christ through us, right? So we have inherited salvation through Christ, but we've also inherited a ministry because God has something to do through us, right? So reconciliation, I want to focus in on that word because it is an awesome, powerful word. Reconciliation means a bringing together of what was once divided, separated, even in hatred and enmity. Reconciliation is enemies becoming friends, which is powerful, very powerful. And I want to look at scripture here. Paul wrote in Colossians 1, I think there's a slide here. This is about us before Christ. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. I want to look at Ephesians 2 real quick. I don't have a slide for this, but I want you just to listen to this. This whole chapter is incredible. You have to study this. But Ephesians 2, Paul is talking more about this act of reconciliation. I'm going to read a lot of it, but just listen to this. Paul writes, And you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, of Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. We haven't earned it. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no man may boast for we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, we see this. We're created for something which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? Sometimes we say we are saved from something to something. Right? We are saved from sin, from death, from enmity, rebellion against God. We've been saved to life. And freedom, we sing about today, victory, right? But work that God has prepared for us beforehand, that we might walk in it, right? And so I just love, this is all over scripture, this work that God has prepared for us to do. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God. We were completely separated from the author of life, right? And when you're separated from life completely, that is death, and all of us were there. We, we had a sentence of death upon us. But God rescued us. And this is radical. Beyond saving us, he's made us to be ambassadors. Which is just crazy to think about. I want, I want to put it this way because it's just mind-boggling. Think about this. Imagine some kind of terrorist. Famous terrorist. A known enemy of the United States of, the, of America who has pledged to destroy this nation. Right? Everybody knows it like Osama bin Laden, right? Just imagine this known terrorist who's pledged to destroy this nation somehow being radically transformed and reconciled to the United States and beyond that, being appointed officially by the state to be an ambassador of this nation, to represent this nation to the world. Is that not radical? Wouldn't that be crazy? We can't even imagine that. Like, that wouldn't happen. But listen, it happens every day as God saves people. It happened in our lives. We were alienated from God, separated from him, completely at enmity with him. But he saved us, and more than saved us, he appointed us to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, to represent him to the world. That's amazing, right? And so absolutely, yes, that transformation would be like completely radical, right? And it is radical. But even more radical than the transformation, I think, is the force that makes this kind of transformation possible in our lives. And it's the love of God. The love of God. It's amazing. 
the love of God. Isn't it crazy that God loves his enemies? It's wild. Like going back to that analogy, the terrorist analogy. I mean, we're just out to kill these guys, right, as a nation. But God, he loves these people and he pursues these people. God loves them so much that he humbles himself and begs them to be reconciled to him. He begs his enemies to be reconciled. Jesus on the cross, he'd been crucified and he's praying, Father, do not hold this against them for they don't know what they do. I don't know about you, but if I was crucified and I was on a cross, I might be tempted to pray judgment upon the people that did it. Or I would certainly feel that. But Jesus is on the cross and he's praying mercy and forgiveness and love. In fact, he came to die for these people that crucified him. That's just crazy love. It's crazy. And that love just fills me with wonder, with awe, right? And I think knowing how God pursues you, that changes your life. That love changes your life. And so God loves us, and he has committed to us this message of love for others. I, I say it this way. This love that draws us in and transforms us, this is the same love that sends us out to those who don't know it. And that's why we do what we do. God loves this campus, Purdue over here in Ivy Tech. We're here because we feel God's burden of love for students. You know, you're talking about sometimes they're forgotten. God doesn't forget about them. God cares about them so much that he raised up this whole arm of the Assemblies of God to go reach the secular campus because he wants to focus on what's happening there. And so really, this is what we're about. We work to reconcile students to Christ, right? And we work to raise up the reconciled to be ambassadors of Christ that can take the gospel wherever they go. Because they're only going to be here for a short time, right? They're coming here to go out to wherever God takes them. And so all this sums up our mission. And our mission is simply this, to reach and to disciple students for Jesus Christ. Discipling them to be followers, learners, and ambassadors of Jesus wherever they go. And we're super passionate about it. So let me tell you some of my story. So I grew up in southern Indiana. How many of you have ever heard of Jasper, Indiana? Oh, wow. A lot of you. Because the holiday world? <laughs> That's our claim to fame. Any of you been to the Schnitzelbank by chance? All right. It's good local German food. So Jasper's a German Catholic town, a lot of German charm, right? And I was one of the few that grew up there that didn't grow up Catholic. Uh, my dad grew up Catholic, but my mom uh, didn't want to go to the Catholic church, so they compromised and they went to a small Protestant church. Uh, I don't know how that's a compromise. I guess my mom just won. But they went to a small church, <laughs> Protestant church, and I grew up there, um, and I was there every Sunday. I sang in the choir. 
You know, I, I was, I did the bells. I don't know if you've ever done the bells. I loved the bells. I did the soup kitchens, UNICEF. I was really active, actually. But I didn't know God's love for me at all. I didn't know about God's love. And really, I didn't know much about Jesus. I really didn't know, like, he was a real guy, to be completely honest. I was like, I knew the stories, but I was the kind of person, like, the sermon would start and I would clock out. I'd pull out my notebook and my pen and start, like, working on my cartoon, you know. I was working on a comic strip. I was going <laughs> to, I don't know. But uh, I just would clock out. And as I got into high school, things became uh, really hard at home because my parents were in the beginning stages of a divorce. And uh, home didn't feel very safe for me. And we, we kind of started getting disconnected from church life. And, uh, you know, I started looking for an escape from what was going on at home. Um, I was ultimately looking for love, but I looked in the wrong places. I went to a lot of different things that were not Jesus, and those things ended up bringing me just more drama, pain, and disappointment. I'm sure many of you have been there before. <laughs> going through that, it was not fun. I mean, I would have nervous breakdowns. I wanted to commit suicide. I just wanted to get away. And, uh, you know, I, I never had big ambitions for my life. You know, college for me was just basically a promise of escape from home. And so uh, I applied to Purdue, and it was the only school that I applied for. I mean, I just didn't have big ambitions. I knew it was kind of an expectation I would go. But um, I applied to Purdue because this was my only criteria for a school. It had to be far enough away that I wouldn't be obligated to come home. But it was close enough to where I still could. And so I was kind of afraid to go out on my own, you know, but I wanted to get away. And so I got accepted. Yay, I did. I was surprised. <laughs> but I, I came and I got accepted to the engineering school. Um, and so I remember the first Sunday on campus. So I went through BGR. If you guys don't know, BGR is the big orientation week on campus. And um, I got there on campus. I went through the whole BGR and that Sunday before classes, I went to church. And I went to a local church. I got dressed up in my slacks and my button-up, um, you know, walked from my dorm to the campus. It was a, like a very hot August Sunday. It's just like, then I got into this, like, church building. The HVAC was not good. And there was, like, a ton of college students. So literally, I'm packed like this in there, like sardines. And so I'm just, like, sweating you know, <laughs> through my clothes. I really don't remember a thing about the service, but I remember the walk home just being super uncomfortable. It was super hot. I was super tired because I'd been playing Halo late the night before. <laughs> and I had this epiphany. I had this epiphany that I had only gone to church out of habit because I thought it would be a good thing. I was used to going. I kind of had like a little resurgence going to church my senior year because my sister was going to these 6 a.m. prayer meetings. And I was like, my sister's doing it. I can't let her show me up, so I got to go. <laughs> and it was just like a pride thing. But I went to church, and on this walk home, I realized I just went out of habit. And I realized I'm in college now. I'm by myself. I can be whoever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. If I want to stay up all night playing video games Saturday and sleep in Sunday, I can do it. And so I decided 
right then and there, I'm not going to church anymore. Like, it was a statement I made to myself and I meant it. And it's something like I held myself to. Like I had another person ask me to go to church and I was like, no, I'm not going to church. And so I decided what my freshman year was going to look like. And so I studied engineering. And uh, for me, very quickly, I got the impression talking to my peers in engineering um, and just the general crowd in my dorm, like you, I got the impression you could not be considered intelligent and believe in God at the same time. And I wanted to be intelligent. I wanted to be seen that way in other people's eyes. And so it quickly got to me. And by the time I was a sophomore, I had rejected God completely. And I became an atheist. I called myself an atheist. And it was to the point where I started trying to talk my Christian friends out of faith. That's where I was. And I was proud. I was hurt and angry about different things. You know, my parents were kind of full-blown into a divorce process at this point, And I, my church had gone through a split back home. So I just had all these different things. Like, I was like, ah, religion causes way more harm than good, right? And so I really became an apologist for atheism. And uh, sadly, this story is not uncommon on the university. The reality is that about six out of ten Christian students will walk away from their church and their faith by the time they graduate. That's sobering. And it isn't hard to understand how this happens. And how many of you know, we were singing today, the enemy has been defeated, amen. That's so true. By the way, I love that song. I got to go back to the worship thing. I just know you guys pray about the songs that you sing. And so thank you for doing that. That's it. That's all I want to say. But the enemy has been defeated. But we do use the language, we're in a spiritual war, right? And we are. It's like, you know, God versus Satan. It's really like Arnold Schwarzenegger arm wrestling Napoleon Dynamite. Okay? We all know who's going to win, right? <laughs> right? But there's still some kind of battle. There is a tug of war. We are in a war. I mean, Paul uses this language, right? Um, we have to choose to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh, right? We can't give ground to the enemy, a foothold, because a foothold can become a stronghold, right? He is a defeated foe, but if we give him authority, he's going to take it, right? And so we're in a spiritual war, and the enemy is working to take down as many with him as he possibly can. And I think he really loves to try to exert some kind of influence on the university because he has some things going for him, right? The university is a place that really rejects faith and exalts science and reason. Now, faith is reasonable. I totally believe that our faith is reasonable. God is not opposed to intellect. He created it. God is the wisest person in the world. All wisdom, all truth is God's truth, right? And it's not science versus God, right? God created science. Science is really just a small area that is within all that God is, right? But when you make science everything, right, it's really inadequate 
to explain everything else. But people love to exalt science and reject God and the life of faith. The campus is a place that treats God like an old-fashioned idea on the road to progress. Something that just holds us back. Something we just need to get rid of, right? The campus is a place that advocates experimenting on multiple levels. Sure, with science, but with who you are as a person. This is the culture of the campus. Advocates experimenting and revisiting, challenging your assumptions about life. And the campus is a place that emphasizes experiences without consequences. And so all these things combined, we find that the campus is a place that even for students who come with faith, that have had a steady diet of truth their whole lives, coming to this place, we find that the line between what's right, what's good, and what's evil can become very blurry very quickly, right? And again, once you give the enemy some ground, he's going to work to exert that influence, right? And so we really see that there's a deeply ingrained force on the campus that actively works to pull students away from Jesus. And there are so many things. Like, there's over a 1,000 student organizations at Purdue, and Chi Alpha is just one of them. That's crazy when you think about it, like 50,000 students, 1,000 student organizations, that's a lot, right? So there's a lot of options, right? There's a lot of things that are taught. There's a lot of community that vies for students' attention and affection. Many Christian students want to stand for Christ, but on the campus, there's so many things that are knocking at their knees to cut them down. Right? And how many of you know God didn't create us to be islands? Right? He created us to be a range of mountains. Right? To be strong with one another, not to be an island. And so really, that's one of the reasons why we're there. This is a place that, and the, I think the enemy loves to exert his influence because he knows the campus can change the world. What happens on the campus today and is accepted today will be practiced in society tomorrow. So back to my story. After my sophomore year, I was a really hard-hearted, angry atheist. But I got invited by somebody I respected to a local AG church in Jasper. That was pretty new at the time. And I wasn't familiar with Pentecost at all. But I showed up, and man, I experienced it all. <laughs> Like, I'm talking tongues, interpretation, uh, the presence of God. How many of you have, like, felt that you've experienced the presence of God at some point in your life? Like, I didn't know what the presence of God was at all, but I literally walked into this church, and I came during worship. I arrived late, and it literally felt like a blanket came and rested on me and surrounded me. And... Like, it felt like gravity increased. Like, I walked into a gravitational force field. And so I just kind of walked into the church, and I'd never seen hands raised in worship. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I was used to the hymnals, right? I love hymns, but I'd just never seen that. There was a tongue and interpretation. And when I heard the tongue, it's like a knife went into my heart in a good way. 
<laughs> and I remember just thinking over and over, God is real. God is real. God is real. And uh, <laughs> it was crazy. So, guys, don't protect people. You don't have to protect people from the Holy Spirit. You don't. Man, it was powerful. I heard the gospel, which what I think was the first time in my life, and I was convicted by the Spirit. I was like, this is true. And so I decided to believe in Jesus, like literally went from an atheist to believing in Jesus. It was very powerful. But here's the thing, like that experience was so real. But when I left to go back to campus and I came back here, back to my old crew, back to my habits, back to this culture on the campus, I quickly found myself in a war. And uh, also, I was a newborn baby, Christian. But answer me this, can babies survive on their own? No. What do babies need? Others, people, mommy and daddy, right? I came back really as a baby Christian and was just thrown into this campus environment. And it got to the point, I was trying to navigate it as best I could, but the enemy was really working in my life and I nearly took my life. I, was, I remember driving on a country road out here and just slamming the accelerator, pointing the car at a light pole and literally was going to ram that car into the light pole. And like at the last second, it was really dramatic. I like hit the brake, turned the wheel, and like skid. It was, I was just there. I was at the end. But that was the time when Linda Seiler came with Josh and Allie Bowman. You guys know them? You remember them? And planted Chi Alpha here. And I got connected and my life was changed. It was turned around completely. Like, and it was just having them in my life. And there are people we talk about in Chi Alpha. We find people. We feed people the word. We fight for them. And I experienced that with Josh and Allie, with Linda. They shared the word of God with me. And how many of you know the word of God is alive? Doesn't it say that in scripture? Hebrews 4, the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Piercing between soul and spirit. Dividing between bone and marrow. Exposing the thoughts and intentions of the human heart. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed, Right? And it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correcting and training in righteousness. And I love that. Obviously, through the word of God, we're taught about who God is. But God, he, like a loving father, the book of Hebrews says, look, if we aren't disciplined by God, we're illegitimate children. Right? So like a good father, like if Janelle is not doing, if she's doing something she shouldn't, I'm going to tell her. Right? Honey, No. Right? And so I reproof her. I correct her, right? So God points out what's wrong. But then beyond that, he shows us what to do that's right. He corrects us and he trains us in righteousness. And that word training is really cool because it's the word they would use for like child rearing. 
And so God fathers us and raises us up in him through the word. And so I experienced this. I just got in the word. They would share the word with me. Linda would preach the word, and it just changed me. But Paul said something, and I think I have a slide with this for this in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul wrote, We were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, right? And I'm sharing this to say, yes, they shared the word of God with me, but they shared their lives with me. Like these people were on the campus. Josh would have me over to his place a lot. He would make lentil soup for me. And at the time I was like, what's lentil soup? <laughs> but it was good. I liked it. And, you know, we would worship over at their place. Allie taught me how to lead worship. They just poured their lives into me and it changed me from the inside out. Like the transformation was so dramatic. I used to have, I have a beard right now, but I had like this big bushy beard and I got into Chi Alpha and I was like, quickly, I was like, this is my family. And it was to the point I was like, I have to shave my beard because my new family doesn't know what I look like. <laughs> that's dramatic, <laughs> but that's honestly what I was thinking. And so I shaved my beard off and <laughs> yeah, but this was my new family. And so my life was changed in the years that I've been with Chi Alpha. Guys, I have seen so many lives get changed. It's very rewarding work. It's hard work. Don't get me wrong. The life of a missionary, it's not an easy life. There's sacrifices. There's spiritual warfare. It's a very real thing. And you don't always see the life transformation. Sometimes you have these, this vision for people that is God-given. But people can choose to go whatever route they want. And some walk away. But many, many are transformed by Jesus Christ. I think of Lucas. I think I have a picture of Lucas. Lucas is on the left here. He's from small town, Indiana. Very, like, vocally talented. In fact, he, like, he won a state championship for uh, singing. And he got to sing in Lucas Oil, the national anthem. This man had a ton of potential. He wanted to go uh, to Broadway, do musicals and act and, and theater. And he could have done anything he wanted. But he met this guy, Chris, on the right. And Chris was a leader in Chi Alpha, somebody that I was discipling. And uh, Lucas got connected to him. Um, he really didn't know what he thought about God. He wasn't like, I'm an atheist, but he wasn't like, oh, you know, uh, Jesus is a real thing. He was just kind of apathetic. And a lot of students, they're pretty apathetic, but also hungry at the same time. It's kind of interesting. But he was kind of just like, eh, whatever, you know. That kind of sums it up, whatever. And um, anyway, they started talking about Jesus, about getting in the word. Lucas just started experiencing the conviction of the Spirit. And I won't share all the details. Suffice to say, he accepted Jesus as his Lord, which was awesome. And was raised up as a life group leader. Um, he came to our winter conference called SALT, which we're about to go to this next weekend. SALT is our, our winter conference. We're going to Chicago. And he came to that, and we had our national director out, and he was just talking about the Great Awakening the next great awakening of, of students that are going to go into the mission field. 
And Lucas felt a call to the mission field. And so he came to us and he said, guys, guys, I feel called to the mission field. Will you pray for me? And I was like, absolutely. So we all surrounded him. We all started praying for him. And uh, so he had decided, I believe in Jesus. And this guy was following Jesus. But he wasn't sure what he thought about the Holy Spirit at this point. And so that was something else he was processing. But we were praying for him. And I just simply prayed, Lord God, I just pray you would fill Lucas with your Holy Spirit to prepare him for this. And the Holy Spirit fell on Lucas. And I was, I had my eyes open. <laughs> and I literally just saw his eyes get big. He started praying in tongues. And like he was just like processing this as it was happening. And he was like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, he's praying in tongues. And then he, he grabs me and he's like, bro, bro, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? And I was like, bro, that was the Holy Spirit. But anyway, just to see this man, because I, I, I met him as a freshman. And this was like his junior year. And just to see in two years what God did to his life was crazy. And so he graduated. Now he's leading worship at one of the largest churches in Arkansas. And he's paying off student loans. College isn't cheap. How many of you know that, right? He's paying off loans to go into the mission field. And he met his wife in Chi Alpha. He's going to be with Live Dead. It's just incredible to see where this guy has gone. And he could go anywhere. Like his talent could literally take him anywhere. But he's going to serve Jesus. And he's telling people about Jesus. He's using his voice to glorify Jesus I think about Brenton, when I think about changed lives, Brenton, I met Brenton at IU in his junior year, and we were just out during welcome week, we were tabling, and we were in one of the, uh, the dorms, just saying hi to people, just, you know, getting our name out, you know, trying to meet people, and he came by, I said, hey man, come over here, and we started having a conversation, it was obvious that we were Jesus people, I mean, we have Jesus on all of our stuff, but this, this guy, he grew up Jewish, Culturally, but he was an atheist, really. It's kind of interesting. Grew up culturally Jewish, but an atheist. That's actually pretty common. And uh, I invited him to come play Ultimate Frisbee. And he said yes. And so he came out. He uh, came out to play Ultimate Frisbee. He's not the most, most athletic kind of guy, but he came out. Um, and he got connected to one of our life groups. He went that whole year just like he would come hang out with the guys. Um, like whenever the life group met, but he would never go to a Bible study. And he never came to one of our like large group meetings on campus where we have worship, we preach, never came. I think he came to one at the end of that year. And so his life group leader felt like he'd failed. He's like, man, you know, like nothing happened with Brenton this whole year. And I was like, dude, it's not a fail. Like he's connected, right? Like he trusts you guys. He sees you as friends. That's a win, right? And so he's like, all right, whatever, you know? And so we start his senior year. We're out on campus. We're meeting in the amphitheater. And Brenton walks up, and he comes to the, the large group. And we're like, oh, my gosh, Brenton's here. And we were talking about the three big decisions you have to make in your life. What you believe about God, who you're going to marry, and what you're going to do with your life in terms of vocation. And Brenton just realized... I have not decided what I believe about God. And so he had just realized, though, he'd been experiencing Jesus all the year prior, even over the summer. 
And so he decided to follow Jesus. And this man got baptized in like, you know how we talk about the countenance, like one's countenance? Like uh, God told Cain, why is your countenance so low? You know, Genesis. Like, look at his face. Do you see that smile? That's not what Brenton looked like at all. Like, literally, I look at Brenton and I see a transformed life. Like, you can see joy and life in his face. And when I met him, he did not look that way at all. But this man, he went from an atheist, he came to Jesus, he got baptized, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had experienced such a transformation that he's like, look, I'm not going to go out and use my degree. I need to stay with Chi Alpha and serve. And so he went through the CMIT. Now he's a missionary with Chi Alpha, and he's in his fourth year. He's at IU right now. But this guy went from atheist in his junior, no, in his senior year to getting saved and filled with the Spirit to now becoming a missionary. It's just crazy, like, the transformation that happens with people. So God is changing people's lives. Can I show you guys some pictures of this year in Chi Alpha at Purdue? All right, so let's go to that first one. Every year we start out with a, a leader training. And I know I'm Mr. Missionary here, but if I can be honest and very truthful, I believe that students are better missionaries to students than me. Because students are the ones that live with students, that eat with students, that go to class with students, that study with students, right? I'm just here to steward a movement of students that are discipling other students and to help pastor it and to lead it in whatever way I can, right? But these, all these guys are life group leaders and they're leaders that are going out to find, fight for, and feed people the word of God. And so every August, we start the year with a retreat. Let's go to the next slide. Life group. So this is the building block of Chi Alpha, right? Life group is like a group of five to eight students that live life together, right? And this is important because in campus ministry, we find a lot that people have to belong. Oftentimes, they have to belong before they believe, right? Um, how many of you know there's really an epidemic of loneliness, right? I mean, especially with the advent of technology, uh, social media, like, we're like the loneliest we've ever been, though we're the most connected, which is ironic. But there's, uh, researchers have studied loneliness, and they say the, the cortisol response that happens in your body when you're lonely, when you're intensely lonely, and cortisol, if you don't know, is the stress hormone. So it's the hormone that's released when we're stressed, and it helps prime our body for a fight or flight. Being intensely lonely produces a cortisol response in your body that is identical to if you were being physically attacked. So if somebody was coming at you to attack you and you were being primed to defend your life, that's what happens in your body with your cortisol when you're lonely. And there's a, a proverb in Sierra Leone, they say, an empty belly has no ears. And so they say that to say, if someone's just thinking about survival, in this case, eating, if you don't have food, you can't listen to the gospel. You can't hear it because you're just merely thinking about surviving. And so we find that with students in this loneliness epidemic, that many 
because of where they are, don't have ears to hear. But if we can provide a place of belonging and community and friendship, people belong so that they might believe. And we see this a lot. And so life group is where that happens, where people belong. If we go to the next slide, large group. We get on campus. We all meet together. We worship. This was in the fall. Now, we're like, we're not post-COVID by any means. But this year has been much more open than last year, right? So we can meet without size restriction. Uh, we can meet without social distancing. We, we wear masks indoors, but we got outside to sing uh, unmasked, and it was cool. Like, if you guys know the campus, we're right by the bell tower. Like, in the center of campus, just worshiping at the top of our lungs. And, I mean, there's, like, a guy just standing in the back looking around. People would walk by and ask, what is this? Some people got connected just because we were out there worshiping. But we get on campus, we worship, we preach the word of God. Let's go to the next slide. This is something we've done this year called house church. Uh, normally, for large group, we would all meet together as Chi Alpha. Once a month, we've been meeting in, our, in smaller communities and houses. And that allows us to do things like pray, right, really study the word of God and have a discussion together, um, have communion. It's just more organic, more relational. It creates an environment for other people to get connected. It's like not as threatening as coming to a classroom, <laughs> you know. So it's really cool. Let's go to the next slide. We, went to, we took about 90 students to our fall conference in Indy. A lot of color there. Rachel, by the way, designed our shirts. We did a great job. <laughs> I love them. Um, let's go to the next slide. Baptisms. We baptized students on campus, again, right um, by the bell tower in the center of campus. This is like a public declaration that these students were going to follow Jesus. It was awesome. And it was October, so it was kind of cold. But the water was all right. Let's go to the next slide. International Friendsgiving. So this is, we had international students over for Thanksgiving. Dion and Barb Hackley. These guys are awesome. These guys are awesome. These guys love the nations, right? And I know that this church loves the nations. I see this out here, this big map on the wall, right? Make disciples of all nations. I think I might have said this. If I didn't, I'll say it again. Or I'll say it, there are over 130 nations at Purdue, over 9,000 internationals. All in this stage of life, 18 to 22, where they're making decisions that affect the rest of their lives and where they're uniquely open to hearing about Jesus, right? I mean, a lot of young people are in that stage, internationals even more so. They're like doubly open. And... Um, it's just, we call them, this is not derogatory, but low-hanging fruit in the sense that they are just ripe. Ripe for the kingdom. But it's so strategic. I really believe I'm in one of the most strategic mission fields in the world because of international students. And so I wanted to give you a snapshot of what it looks like this year. It's been an incredible year. We're in our first year of leading here. Where I see Kaiafa going in the future I see life groups of students all over campus being families of worshipers on mission to reconcile students to Christ, to disciple them as ambassadors, to transform the university, but not only the university, but the marketplace and the world. We do what we do because the world is coming here 
and going into all the world from here. And it's just a unique, very strategic ministry. In fact, a former president of the UN General Assembly, Charles Malik, said it this way, and I'll finish up in a few minutes. He said, the university is the clear-cut fulcrum with which to move the world more potently than by any other means. Change the university and you will change the world. So Brooke, when she meets students when they're freshmen, they'll come on campus and she'll be like, you know, what are you looking forward to about college? And they'll say, oh, you know, the experience, the college experience. And you guys know what they mean by that. But I want you to dream with me. What if the college experience for somebody was meeting Jesus, getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, their life turned upside down in the best way possible. What if that one frat guy gets radically saved and leads his whole fraternity to Jesus? What if that one international student from a closed country gets radically saved and discipled and goes back home as an undercover missionary to bring in a witness of the gospel to his friends, family, and community? What if we met Christians before they walked away from Jesus? What if? What if we can reach and disciple these students to be missionaries on the campus who can take the gospel and plant a disciple-making movement wherever they go. That's why we do what we do. We can't wait to see what God's going to do at Purdue and Ivy Tech. We believe the best is yet to come. Thank you all for supporting us as a church. We're supporting our ministry. We could not do this without you. And we're really excited for how we can partner together to reach this campus and change the world. Amen? That's all I got. Thanks, guys.